Well, amen. Hey, thanks so much for praying for me. I really appreciate that. And it's good to see you all. Uh, welcome once again to Emmanuel Covenant Church. And once again, a happy Father's Day to you. Today, we're going to be continuing in our series called God at Work. And in this series, we've been looking into some of God's thoughts on our work life. And our work life, it's such a, a large and significant part of all of our lives. And for so many of us, it can also be a major source of frustration in our lives. And if you're a Christian today, then uh, chances are that there's been times in your life where there seems like there's this disconnect between Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and then Sunday morning worship. And what does God have to do with all that? And what does faith have to do with work? So we thought that that would be a really important topic to dive into. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And to dive in, I want to have a little bit of fun. How many of you, by a show of hands, would say that when you think back to your first job, your first set of chores, your first job, it was awesome. You'd go back if you could, throw your hands up. One, two. <laughs> There's a couple of us. How many of you hated it? It was terrible. You'd never go back. Forget that stuff. Yeah. This is going to be group therapy today. This is going to be good. Oh, boy. I remember when I was 14, my dad, he said, um, you're getting a job, Nick. And I didn't really know why I had to get a job as a 14-year-old because I didn't have any bills to pay. But uh, I guess dad wanted me to learn the value of a dollar, or maybe he wanted me to uh, be inspired to go on to college, or maybe he just wanted me out of the house or something like that. And so he said, go get a job, and the only place that would, that would take me, a scrawny 14-year-old kid that got to work on a moped, uh, the only place it would take me was good old Blimpy Subs. You guys remember Blimpy Subs? I hope you don't remember Blimpy Subs. <laughs> and the job was okay. You know, I, my job was essentially to make sub sandwiches and to clean stuff. That was, that was my first job. And it was all right. My boss wasn't the best, and I had some weird coworkers. And it's not like I really enjoyed, you know, making tuna salad. You know, that, that wasn't like the highlight of my day or anything like that. But I was always told that uh, growing up that if you work hard, then good things will come your way. So I was really excited for my first paycheck because I was working hard. Even though I didn't like making tuna, I could make tuna faster than you can say tuna salad, baby. I was scrubbing out mayonnaise bottles like no one's business and nuking bacon like no tomorrow, and I was pumped for that, per for that first paycheck. And so the day that it came, it came in this white, pristine envelope with the crisp corners, little plasticky film over my name. You know what I'm talking about? So it was, I, I knew it was mine. It's the bounty of my labor. And when my boss brought it to me, I was thinking, this is going to be good. So I rip the thing open, I unfold the, the paycheck, and, and, and I look at it, and when I saw how small it was, I don't think I said a cuss word out loud, but I definitely had some four-letter words rattling around on the inside. I definitely was thinking, what is FICA? What, what, what is this? Why are they taking my money? <laughs> I, I remember thinking, this is all I get? This is all that I get for busting my backside with this meaningless job and that mean boss and those weird co-workers. And I wanted to quit right then and there. And I was already tired of smelling like mayonnaise and wheat bread, okay? And I, I just wanted to quit right then and there. And I found out that day that sometimes work is good, but sometimes work can make you want to curse. Sometimes work feels like a four-letter word, doesn't it? Sometimes... That's just the way work feels. <laughs> and, you know, one day I, I went, after I went to college and I got my first big boy job and I put a suit on and I remember getting that first paycheck and having that boss and having those coworkers. And guess what? Some days were good, but some days still felt like a four-letter word. 
And then I, I remember feeling called to go into ministry and do God's work as if making sandwiches can't be God's work. If you have questions about that, you should uh, check out the last sermon online on, uh, from last week. I'll tell you, even in my God-given calling, something that I, I love and am passionate about, there's still days, for one reason or another, where it's frustrating, where it feels like maybe I want to curse. And the truth is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're in your first job, maybe you're in your dream job, or maybe right now you're kind of in between jobs. We all have days that are good, but we also have those days where work feels like a four-letter word. Because you know the pain, all right? You, you know what this is like. We've all experienced this. You know the pain of being under the pressure of a serious deadline, and then all of a sudden some technology falls through, or someone on the team drops the ball, and then everything is, is a mess. You know the pain of facing a mountain of dirty laundry. You know the pain of facing a mountain of dirty dishes, of facing algebra homework and writing papers and grading papers. Can I get an amen from the teachers in this church? Yeah, yeah. We know the pain of work. And sometimes it's good, but sometimes it can be a pain. It's a pain to deal with difficult coworkers, difficult customers, and especially difficult bosses. Oh, man, one email from your boss can send anxiety and, and completely change the, the course of your day. But it's tough to be the boss, too, to carry the load, to have to let someone go. I mean, sometimes work, it's a pain. But it affects more than just our emotions. Because some of us, we carry so many stresses, so many burdens, and, and we're working so hard all the time. Because the truth is, we've got to put food on the table. We've got bills to pay. We've got to keep that kind of medical insurance for her condition. There's all these things that we need to do. And maybe you're even doing something that's truly great. But it's at the expense of your relationships and the people and things that matter most in life. It's at the expense of your relationship with your family, with your spouse, with God, with your church, even with sleep. And some of us, we were told, hey, just follow your dreams. Do whatever makes you happy. And, you know, that was fun for a while, wasn't it? Like, we had fun doing that. But then, then one day, reality kind of set in, and we, we realized that that thing didn't really pay the bills. And so we had to kind of make a decision. Are we going to do what we love or are we going to do something that we don't really love so we can pay the bills? And the truth is that whether you're rich or poor, just starting out near retirement, whether you're white-collar, blue-collar, Christian, or anything else, there's days where work, it can feel like a, like a four-letter word. And after all the books and all the seminars and all the, the gurus that have talked about this, why isn't that we've, we haven't figured this out? After thousands of years of humanity experiencing work as a four-letter word, I mean, some days are good, but some days kind of stink. And we haven't figured this out yet? Why is it that so many people experience work this way? And what can we do about it? And we're going to look to the scripture to do that, but before we dive into that, I want you to just kind of enter into a thought experiment with me. And so let's just imagine for a second that you are hiring for a job, okay? You're hiring for a job, and this, this person who gets this job is going to help you out at your work, whatever your vocational context is. So if you work at the office, they're going to help you at the office. You, you work at home, they're going to help you out at home. If you're looking for a job right now, they're going to help you find a job. If you're a student, they're going to help you study, okay? So whatever your current job, your current vocation is this person's going to help you out with that. And so you finish one interview, and then the next person comes in, and it just so happens to be God. 
So God, he walks across the room, and he sits down in the squeaky office chair across the table from you, and, uh, and he slides his resume over to you. And, of course, it's a majestic scroll, and it sings when you open it, hallelujah. You know, like, that, I'm just imagining that that's what God's resume is probably going to look like. And so you want to get the best candidate, so you give it a once-over. Okay, and, and you're looking and you, you check out, oh, let's see what God's work experience is, is like. And you see that his first job was creator of all things seen and unseen. That sounds kind of epic. So, and you're a good interviewer. So you ask a probing interview question. You say, well, God, it, it looks like that you have some experience with creating things. Can, can you talk about how your creative work has impacted the organization and what the results were? And I imagine at that point, God, he'd, he'd kind of lean in and he'd tell you, well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was his, it was his first recorded job. Creating the universe was his first recorded job. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there was nothing. It was just God who's uncreated and eternal by definition and chaos. And he took the chaos and he was going to make beauty and order out of the chaos. And so what did he do? He created light and dark. He created the sun and the moon and the sky and, and the stars. And what does scripture say? It says that it was good. And he created the skies and he created the waters. He created the birds in the sky. He created the fish in the waters. And scripture says that it was good. He crafted the architecture of the land. He crafted and created the organic plants and all the animals and all the beautiful things, all the majestic things, all the wonderful things in this world that make us stop on our tracks and go, wow, I really want to take a selfie with that in the background or put that in a zoo, you know? Like all those beautiful, wonderful things, God made those. That was his idea. He made it with his power, his wisdom, his providence, his creativity, his love. That was his first job. And we know from experience that God's work is good work. God's work is good work. And what's so interesting is after God had created all the ecosystems and laws of physics and outer space and all that stuff, God put his hands together. He said, I'm just getting warmed up, baby. He didn't say that. That's not in the scripture, but I just imagined that he said this. And, uh, and, and he made the best part. And do you know what the best part of all of God's creation was? It was you. It was me. It was us. See, after God had made each thing, it was good. Birds, fish, good. Animals, good. It's all good. But then, look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 31. After he had created humanity, it says that then God looked over all he had made, and he saw it was, help me out, very good. A little bit different from good. It was very good. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. Just soak that in for a second. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You are a major highlight on God's resume. God doesn't make mistakes in what he makes. God does not make junk. God's work is good work, and he created you. So some of you, you just came to church for that today, and you need to know that. But this is really important also for how we understand our work. Knowing that God is a working God and his work is good work is important for understanding our work. And the reason for that is because of what it says just a couple verses earlier. It says in chapter 1, verses 27, it says that God created human beings, check this out, in his own 
image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And what that means is that you and I, as human beings, we are made in the very image of God. That means that your design, your purpose in life, your purpose for existing is to reflect God's character and God's likeness in the world. You were made to reflect his love in the world. You were made to reflect his, uh, his forgiveness in the world. You were made to reflect his working nature in the world. You were made to reflect his creativity. And so you and I both, we were made very good in the image of God to reflect his character in the world. And what's so interesting, since God is a working God, and God's work is good work, that means that if we're made in his image, we're designed for good work. Not that four-letter word kind of work, but good work. I know that good is four letters, but you know what I'm talking about. And we see this, that, that God gave Adam and Eve jobs because they were made in the image of God, and God is a working God. Look at chapter 2, verses 15. We see that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Everyone say work it. Work it and keep it. See, that was our first job. Our first job was to participate in the creation that God had made. Our first job was to participate in God's first recorded job. And what's so interesting about this Hebrew word for work it, it actually isn't like the four-letter word kind of work. This word actually means to worship, to serve God. It's not four-letter word kind of work. It's creative, and it's wonderful, and it's an overflow of love for God and the relationship that we have with him. And that's the kind of work that you were designed to do. See, you are made to reflect God's image in your work. You're made to reflect God's image with your work. It's supposed to be worship. It's supposed to be just like God's creative work. But, I mean, that just kind of brings us back to the original question, doesn't it? Because if God does good work, and you were designed with work in mind, that rhymed, but that should have been on the note-taker sheet, that's good. And if you were designed with work in mind, why do we still experience work this way? Why does it feel like thorns and thistles? Why does it feel like a four-letter word? And to get at that, I want to start by telling you the story of a painting there's this painting that got some notoriety, I think it was about a year or so ago, um, and because someone had tried to restore it. And this painting, it's a, it's a beautiful masterpiece, and it was painted by the Spanish uh, artist and professor Elias uh, Garcia Martinez. And it painted it around 1930, painted in a church. And the interesting thing is that Elias, he was not just a, uh, a wonderful artist and a professor whose vocation was to make the world more beautiful. He was also a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so after an extended time of prayer, he felt inspired to paint this painting, and, and this is what it looks like. So it's a picture of Jesus, and uh, it's a fresco painting for those of you that, that care or know about that stuff. And this painting, the title is actually very significant. The title of this painting is Ecce Homo, which is Latin for Behold the Man. And that's significant because Pontius Pilate, the guy that sent Jesus to be flogged, tortured, the guy that, that sent soldiers that put crowns, a, a crown of thorn on his, heads, on his head, that guy brought Jesus out and said to the crowd, 
Behold the man. And you know what the crowd said? Crucify him. And they sent him away. And so that's what this painting references. But here's what's so interesting and why I want you to know about this. It's because this is how the painting works, okay? The way that this work of art works is that when you look at it, you're beholding an image of Jesus. You're beholding an image of God. You behold the man, as the title of the painting suggests. But the way that it works is that when you see this image, you can almost take yourself back as if you were in the first century, as if you were in that crowd. And this masterful work of art, I mean, you can experience God through that. I mean, it's not only is it beautiful, but the meaning behind it, it's rich. And it's kind of like you. See, you were made to reflect God's image in your work. And when you do your work, it was designed so that people would see a work that is beautiful, a work that is masterful, a work that is passionate, a work that is gifted. They would see a work that is is in love, and when they would see it, they would actually see a bit of Jesus. They would actually see the image of God in you because you're a masterpiece crafted by God. And unfortunately, this this painting, like everything else in the world, like our trophies, like our work life, like relationships, like our possessions, this painting, it actually eventually began to deteriorate, and this is is what it looked like. And it's kind of tragic, I mean, for a masterful work of art to be tainted like that. I mean, there's, there's parts of it that are still good, but it's not whole anymore. There's parts of it that that are all right, but it's not whole anymore. It's become harder and harder to see the beauty and the majesty of the artwork. And it's become harder and harder to see Jesus in the work. It's a lot like us. Because there's something that's happened to all of us. There's something that's happened where in our work, it becomes harder and harder to see the beauty and majesty. It becomes harder and harder to see Jesus. There's something that's been scarred, something that's been tainted, something that's gone wrong. And no matter how many books we read or whatever we do, there there just always seems to be days where work, it just kind of feels like a four-letter word. And the reason for that, the reason why the image of God in us seems so scarred, the reason why work so often feels like a four-letter word is actually because of a three- letter word called sin. Now, that's an uncomfortable word. And it's uncomfortable because uh, a lot of people have used words like this to make political moves or to judge people or um, maybe hate language or, or something like that. And, and, and I mean, if, if you hear that word and that's kind of the, the first thing that comes to your mind, I encourage you to look a little bit deeper. Because the Bible actually doesn't use sin to for someone as a weapon where someone can raise themselves up and belittle another human being, that's not how the Bible uses the word sin. See, the Bible describes sin as a condition that all of us experience, and it's actually a selfishness. It's a selfishness that has marred the relationship that we have with God. It's a selfishness that has marred the relationship that we have with each other. In fact, it's even marred the relationship we have with our environment. And so when these three relationships are marred and they look like that painting, when they're broken, it actually even begins to tear us up inside. And that selfishness, it begins to destroy us. 
See, sin, it's like taking a masterpiece. It's like taking the Sistine Chapel and just spray painting over it. It's like taking the Mona Lisa and just ripping the canvas. And you're a masterpiece of God. And there's something in us that was supposed to reflect Jesus. There's something that's, that's supposed to reflect Jesus in our work, and it's broken. And the Bible describes that as sin. You see, the reality is that sin distorts God's image in us, and it profoundly impacts our relationship with work. And we see this right in the first few pages of Scripture. Look at this. After Adam and Eve had, had brought sin into the world, after they had committed their first act of selfishness towards God and tainted that relationship with God, this is what God said to them. It said, since you listened to your wife, he was talking to Adam, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And what's so interesting about this passage do you remember where Adam was supposed to work? Do you remember what his first job was? It was to be a gardener. He was to work the ground of the Garden of Eden. And here we see a curse. It's like a four-letter word has been applied to the very context in which he was supposed to work. There's something that has happened to our work. And look at how God describes the consequences. It says that all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. That sounds familiar. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains, meaning it's going to be painful, but you'll be dependent on it. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground. You're going to do this your whole life from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and from dust you shall return. And you know, here's the deal. What's interesting is that whether, whether you think that this story is historical or not, um, whether you're a, a Christian or not, whether you uh, think of you're a sinner or, or not, what's so interesting about this story is that it's for a story that's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old and cultures and cultures and cultures away from ours, isn't it interesting how keenly it describes the things that we experience on a daily basis? I mean, just, is, isn't that interesting? Because, I mean, maybe, maybe you don't consider yourself a, a sinner, especially if you use the world's definition of sin rather than the Bible's definition of sin. Maybe you don't consider yourself a sinner, but when you look around your workplace, I'm sure that it's not that hard to find a few sinners, right? It's not that hard to find a few people that when you work with them, it's like thorns and thistles. You work with them, and sometimes they're good. But other times it's like, what is wrong with this person? What is wrong with this person? They're not, they're, there's parts that are good, but they're just not whole. And, and the truth is that we work with broken people. I mean, you, you've seen it for yourself. You've seen it for yourself when companies and organizations and churches and families suffer at the hands of dishonesty, of disloyalty, of pride, of lust, of selfishness. We know that we work with broken people. You know, part of the reason why your workplace is so frustrating is because you have a boss that treats people like robots. And you have that person at your work who they gossip about you all the time. And they throw you under the bus. And it feels like thorns and thistles to work there. 
And sometimes it's really not anyone's fault. The truth is we work with broken people, but we also work in a broken environment. It's no one's fault that when you meet someone for the first time and they say, so, what do you do? And right now you're unemployed. So what do you say then? It's no one's fault that that doesn't feel good to have that conversation. It's no one's fault that it doesn't feel good, that it feels like thorns and thistles to be applying and interviewing for jobs that you don't even really want, but you just need. It's no one's fault that it's that way. That's just the way it is, because we work with broken people, and we work in a broken environment, and the truth is, if we want to be honest, if you want to be honest with yourself, and you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself, sometimes you contribute to it Sometimes someone else's work day feels like a four-letter word because of you. And we all have to admit that. Because we all have those days where we would rather be selfish than serve. We all have those days where, where we let our anger fly. We all have those days where we don't reflect the image of God in our work. We have those days where we reflect other things that aren't good that are hurtful, that cause other people to experience work as a four-letter word. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're a worthless person. It's because you're a normal person like the rest of us. We're all busted people. We're all broken. There's something that has happened, and the image of God has been marred in us, where it's become difficult to see in our work and in our lives, in our relationships, what Jesus is like. It's been difficult to see the majesty, and that's just where we work. And you know what the worst part of all that is? The worst part of all of it is that no matter how many government policies we make, no matter how much red tape we put up or red tape we tear down, no matter how many books you read or seminars you attend, no matter how many times you change jobs, no matter if you get a different boss, no matter even if you're doing God's given calling on your life, there will still be days on this side of heaven where work feels like a four-letter word. There will still be days where it feels like thorns and thistles. Why? Because you're a broken person and you work with broken people. And you work in a broken environment. And it makes you wonder, what can we do about that? The reason why I wanted to show this painting to you is because uh, there was this woman that uh, was in the church that this painting was deteriorating in, in Spain. And this woman didn't like that things were deteriorating. Uh, She didn't like that uh, she just appreciated the meaning behind it. It was a good work of art. And she wanted it to not disappear. She wanted it to stay. She wanted to fix it. And so she did what most of us do whenever our relationships or our work or our life just starts to deteriorate. She tried to restore it on her own. And she, uh, she had a good heart. Her heart was in the right place, truly. And she worked really hard. And she'd even had a little bit of experience with art restoration before, but uh, some people were, were not too happy with her restoration project. Go ahead and take a look at this picture of Jesus. Not the best image of God. Um, and, and it's kind of hard for the painting to do its work where it brings you back to the first century now. It kind of brings you to the jungle maybe, I don't know. And, and some, people, they, they thought that some people thought this was funny. Some people thought this was really offensive. And some people just thought it was a further tragedy. Jennifer thinks it's hilarious. 
And here's the reason why I tell, this is the reason why I tell this story to you, why I show you this painting. is because this is what it looks like when we try to patch up the parts of our life that aren't whole, the parts of our relationships that aren't whole, the parts of our work that aren't whole without the original inspiration, without the one who originally called us, without the one who originally gave us the gifts and the talents to actually do the work, without the one who created work, without the one who created us. And the truth is that your work is never going to be ultimately satisfying. Without the one who created work and the one who created you. In fact, your work will eventually just look, look like an amateur restoration project, trying to restore the image of God and yourself all by yourself. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be the same masterpiece. It's going to be missing the majesty. It's going to be missing the image of Christ, the beauty and the majesty of the image of Christ that your work was designed to reflect. It's going to be missing it because we're not qualified to fix that. We're not qualified to fix that job. The good news is that when you sit down for that interview with God, and you see on his resume that's this awesome scroll thing, uh, his first job's creator of all things seen and unseen. And his second job, his current project, is the restorer of the broken. He's the restorer of all things that are broken. Broken people, broken families, broken dads, broken jobs, broken lives. He's the restorer of all things that are broken. It's his job. He restores the image of God in us. And God does good work. He does good work. Because you were designed to reflect God's image in your work and in your life. And when all of our attempts, everything that we try to do to make something of our life, to make something of work, to bring some value to ourselves, when it just produces thorns and thistles, after we've tried so hard for so long and it just produces thorns and thistles, you need to know that there's a man who was actually God and he took those thorns and thistles and he wore them on his head as a crown and he went to the cross and he was crucified. He was crucified and he died and he was buried. And on the third day he rose again and you want to know why? He rose again because God is the restorer of things that are broken. And when he was raised from the dead, it restored your relationship with God. It restores your relationship with people. It restores your relationship with the world around you, and it restores the image of God in you. It even restores your work when we put our faith in him. Jesus restores the image of God because Jesus is in the restoration business. It's his job. Jesus is in the restoration business, and he does good work. He restores masterpieces that have been scarred and broken so that their work can be resurrected and kingdom work. Because Jesus is in the, or in the restoration business. Check out this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the, what is that? The good things. Not the four-letter word things, the good things that he planned for us to do long ago. That, in, that includes your work. 
That includes your work. And some of you, man, you work so hard all the time. You're always working. You're working hard, and there's so many stresses and so much pressure on your shoulder, and you're, you're just trying and going. You're trying to be as efficient as you can and, 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 uh, and productive as you can. But you need to know that you haven't been you lately. And you haven't really been there for the people that need you to be you lately. And no matter how many more emails you can get answered today, no matter how much more productive you can be, no matter how much you can improve your results, work will never make you whole. You can't work yourself there. Work will never make you whole because work is a lousy God. Work is a lousy God. Work was designed to be worship of the one true God. And the truth is that you, don't, you do not need to carry that burden. You do not need to carry that burden anymore. Jesus said, those of you who are weak, weary, and carry heavy burdens, come to me. And I'll give you rest. Being more productive, doing more, will not give you the rest you so desperately need. You need to invite the one who created work and created you. Some of you, I mean, you're kind of in, in between a rock and a hard place right now in your work. You're kind of in a tough work situation. If you were to come and tell me all the messy details, which we could do afterwards, I'd be very happy to do that. But you could come and tell me all the, the messy details of your situation, and I might not be able to tell you why that's happening, and I probably wouldn't be able to give you five steps to fix it. But here's what I do know about it. is that God is the restorer of all things broken, and we're broken people. See, your work situation is surrounded by broken people. You're in it, so there's a broken person involved. And it's in a broken environment. And God is very interested in broken masterpieces. He's very interested in restoring them and redeeming them and repurposing them so that your spreadsheets and your diaper changes and all the things that you do in your job, they can be repurposed for God's great restoration project. That you are bringing about the kingdom of God. You're bringing about his love. He is using it to, to make you more like Jesus, to, make, to restore the image of God in you. And to bring his love and his character into the darkness of your workplace. Jesus is the restorer of all things broken. He has something for you to do. You get to be a part of that. Find your part. We don't have to say, why is this happening to me? Now we can say, God, what are you up to? And how can I join you? What are you up to and how can I join you? You see, there's still going to be days where it feels like a four-letter word. There's still going to be days where it feels like thorns and thistles because on this side of heaven, we work with broken people, and we are broken. But God is the restorer of all things broken. Some of you, when you look at your job situation, uh, you feel kind of worthless. Your boss kind of implies that sometimes. Maybe your pay kind of implies that. Maybe your job just, you're trying to figure out how is a spreadsheet meaningful. You're just trying to figure that out these days. You need to know that you are not worthless. You were created very good. You were created in the very image of God. And his work, your work is important to him because it can become his work and he desires to repurpose it to his great restoration project. 
God, what are you doing? How can I join you? Some of you, you have a, have a great job. You have the, the pay, you get the accolades, you get uh, a great work-life balance, and maybe the work is really meaningful. That's a blessing from God. I hope you celebrate that. That's so good. But you need to know, it won't fill you up. It won't make you whole. Some of you have been at the top long enough to know it won't make you whole. Because your work will never be ultimately fulfilling without the one who created work and created you. And your work will eventually look like an amateur restoration project without the one who redeems us, saves us, saves every part of our lives, including our work. We need a savior in every part of our lives, even our work. And his name is Jesus. And so the question for you today, will you hire him? Sitting down at this interview, will, will you hire him? Will you invite God to work? You need to know if you do, he's going to be the boss. And he's going to take the thorns and thistles that you still experience and he's going to use them to make you more like Jesus. And he's going to take those thorns and thistles that you experience and he's going to use them to make you more like Jesus and then that is going to reflect God's love into the darkness of your workplace. And God has serious plans about repurposing and giving meaning and value and significance to the things that you do every single day, even spreadsheets, even blimpy subs. And he's going to give value to that because you get to be a part of his great restoration project. Are you going to hire him? Are you going to invite him to work in you and through you? We need a savior in this area. We need Jesus in this area because you were made in the image of God. And God does good work. And when we're broken and we need restored God's the restorer of all things broken, and he does good work. Invite him in today. Invite him to work in you and through you. Will you stand with me as we pray and close? Heavenly Father, we know that this lands in so many different places. I pray for the person that's looking for a job right now. I pray for the person that's stuck in a terrible situation. I pray for the person that just doesn't know what's going to happen next. I pray for the person that uh, is just wrestling through how are you connected with all this. And, and I pray, Jesus, that you would show them what to do, that you would give them the courage to do it, that you would restore us from the inside out because we acknowledge today that you are the restorer of all things broken. And we got broken parts of us. Some of it's good, but it's not whole anymore. And so we ask you, we invite you, and we pray, Holy Spirit, come into our lives and save us from all that's broken. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to let you know if you're processing anything or you just want some prayer about work or about God or about anything in life, there's some people that would love to pray with you over here. Thanks so much for being here and have a great rest of your weekend.